Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita Jay and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater out in Massachusetts. Today is Tuesday, September 11th, 2018, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we're reading from the big book and we are on page 109 in chapter 8. Excuse me, to the wives. The second paragraph, which starts with three colon. This husband has gone much further, reading through two paragraphs, ending with, yet they got well. And comments will be taken on both. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Richard B., The 12 Traditions, Pam R., and readers of the text are Maura Z., Sally P., and Susan H. The share ID numbers for Monday, September 10th, the 7 a.m. meeting, is 11,893-11893. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, it's 11,895-11895. I'm just to know the newcomer greeter is Deborah E. And the um, followed by the second hour host, Rebecca B. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Richard B. to read OA's 12 steps for us. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. This is Richard B. in Ireland. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over our food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, 
admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me give service. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Um, um, I will now ask Pam R. to read the 12 traditions for us. Pam. Are you there, Pam? Press star one. Good morning, everyone. My name is Pam R., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from North Carolina. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Pam R. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. 
anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we're resuming our study of the big book and we are on page 109, the very bottom, uh, last two sentences, which begin uh, three colon. This husband has gone much further, reading through two paragraphs, ending with, yet they got well, commenting on both paragraphs. I will now ask Maura Z to get us started. Good morning, Maura. Good morning, Anita. Thank you so much for your service. Three. I'm sorry, Maura Z recovered in Virginia. Three. This husband has gone much further than husband number two. Though once like number two, he became worse. His friends have slipped away. His home is a near wreck, and he cannot hold a position. Maybe the doctor has been called in and the weary round of sanitariums and hospitals has begun. He admits he cannot drink like other people, but does not see why. He clings to the notion that he will yet find a way to do so. He may have come to the point where he desperately wants to stop, but cannot. His case presents additional questions, which we shall try to answer for you. You can be quite hopeful of a situation like this. Four, you may have a husband of whom you completely despair. He has been placed in one institution after another. He is violent or appears definitely insane when drunk. Sometimes he drinks on the way home from the hospital. Perhaps he has had delirium tremens. Doctors may shake their heads and advise you to have him committed. Maybe you have already been obliged to put him away. This picture may not be as dark as it looks. Many of our husbands were just as far gone, yet they got well. So, starting my timer, I can relate very well to husband number three because a lot of my experience in the food was just like his. Um, specifically, I very well could admit I had a problem with food, but I didn't understand why I did, but one of my sisters didn't, or I did and my friends didn't, or I did and my husband didn't. I didn't understand why I was different. and it never occurred to me that it could be as basic as, well, I have hazel eyes and my sister has brown eyes. 
I was always looking further for some kind of reason, some kind of explanation. I came many times to the point of wanting to stop and not being able to put it down. Picking it up after a few days of abstinence, asking myself why. Getting abstinent again, picking it up after a month or so and asking myself why. Why couldn't I stay stopped? Why couldn't I stay abstinent? There is hope. You can be quite hopeful in a situation like this. And I can tell you that there was hope and there is hope and there will always be hope provided I stay close to my power that's greater than myself. Now, husband number four, I, I can't relate to, at least from my point of view. Now, I, I could very well call my ex-husband and say, does this remind you of anybody? But I don't see it. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't have brief interludes where I appeared like this gentleman. But I'm not pulling anything into my memory. Um, now, was my husband and or my family members completely despaired of my situation? I'm sure. I'm absolutely positive of it. But here's the key. Many of our husbands were just as far gone, yet they got well. That's the ending of both of these paragraphs. You can be quite hopeful of a situation like this, and yet they got well. So as bleak as it looks for you right now as you're looking at the mirror, you're looking at yourself and you're wondering why you can't stop, there is hope. We can show you how. It's in the 12 steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Maura. Very good. All right. Who else would like to share for approximately three minutes? Katie G. from Boston. Katie. Larry K. Larry. Terry N. G. Is it Terry N? Yes. Terry N. And Kathy G., was it? Yeah, thanks. Okay. Janice Kelly S. Kelly S. Janice and Kelly S. All right, that's a wonderful lineup. Is that PM, Janice PM? You got it, Anita J. Okay, I got it. Okay. So we have Katie G., Larry K., Terry N., Kathy G., Janice PM, and Kelly S. Good morning, Katie G. Good morning, Miss Anita. Good morning, my friends. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. I just really wanted to chime in today. It's my belly button birthday, and that's not why I'm chiming in. I'm chiming in because um, I really feel like I can speak today from a testament as to why and how God works in our life. Um, you know, for me, where I really identified in is my my friends had slipped away sober. My home was a near wreck, sober. I could not hold a position, sober. You know, I was abstinent for a long time in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. And um, 10 years ago at the the decade I was in before, um, I could not hold a position. Um, I was abstinent only. And and I was wondering why, like why, uh, you know, I had um, abstinence. I had women that came to my birthday party and celebrated me, and yet I was miserable. And... um, I desperately wanted to stop my behaviors. 
Um, I de- my and my life kept getting smaller and smaller. In abstinence, I was not using. I was not using, and I was miserable, and I kept thinking if I could just get their church, if I could just get their whatever, then I would get my stuff, and I would be okay. You know, and thank you, God, a person in whom the problem had been solved approached me, and and I started going to these big book meetings in Boston and hearing a solution, and it wasn't just a solution about not eating no matter what. Now, I don't eat no matter what, and I work a very structured and disciplined program. Why? Because I worked a really structured and disciplined binging, starving, purging. I would go to any lengths for the food, and today I will go to any lengths for my, my, my abstinence because I have to safeguard it no matter what. But that was just the beginning in abstinence. I felt everything better and I pushed people away, you know, and in the past um, 10 years that I've, I've been in recovery plus, you know, God has given me the willingness and, and the wherewithal to get an advanced degree. And, um, you know, at this birthday 10 years ago, I didn't even have a date. I'm married today. I have a daughter, which is a miracle beyond miracles. But, but that's not, that's just stuff, right? That's just stuff. The miracle is the change from within that has happened to me, that job or no job, wife or no wife, I, I, don't, I don't, for the most part, when I'm spiritually fit, I, I don't depend on other people today. You know, when I fall short, I make amends quickly. And, and what's most important to me is that I am a member in good standing of Overeaters Anonymous, which means I adhere to the, you know, the disciplined nature of, of my abstinence and I adhere to the disciplined nature of these steps. Because with these steps, hold on to your seats, man. It's the ride of your life. My life has gone in places and continues to go places that are better than anything I could have planned. And it is with complete gratitude to this program and this book and this solution. There is nothing but hope here. We welcome you. Keep coming. Um, and God willing, I will too. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Katie. Uh, Larry Kay, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for your service. The, um, you know, I, I really can relate to uh, husband number three. There was a time that I was husband number three. And I'll share with you, I remember, um, you know, specifically what was read, you know, about looking for ways that I could eat like a normal person. I, I was always looking for a way. And I found one back in the, uh, the early 1990s or so I thought. I was going to become a long distance runner. Now, there I was in a heavy body, you know, um, but I could still move around a bit. And I was going to, I was all about goals. And I was going to become a long distance runner and I was going to train for a marathon. And I did. And I thought, wow, I could live my life like this forever. I had completed the the Chicago marathon in, in the 1990s and, um, I, I knew that I had an eating problem. I wasn't in Overeaters Anonymous yet, but I, I thought maybe I could just continue. You know, if I could run as if I could outrun this disease, and I tried, boy. And I remember my wife at the time, because I used to train quite a bit. You know, if you've ever done that sort of thing, you, you train for a long run once per week and so forth. And she would see me day after day uh, training many, many hours and, and, and we used to laugh about it because she would wonder, you know, I, I really, my body had not changed a whole lot with all these hours of training. And I thought, and of course, I continued to eat and eat and eat. I could not outrun this disease. I looked for so many ways. I looked for, you know, pills and supplements and all sorts of different things that would 
somehow maybe I could I could eat like a uh, you know eat like a normal person. Maybe I could um, I could do something with my appetite. I could do something to squelch my appetite, or I could exercise my way into uh, being a normal person. No, that was never to be for me. See what I later learned coming into this program, and it really t- it sticks with me today that only if you're if you're like me, if you have this thing, if you have this alcoholic mind like I do, only a spiritual awakening will be what will separate me from that by the grace of my higher power. And, you know, and that's what happened to me. And, and, I, and I can walk today. I could run if I don't do much of that, but I could do all sorts of things today. But I do it from a, you know, a posi- it's so much different today. You know what's, what's the greatest thing? I can be in relationships. I could be in friendships. I can be in partnerships. I can be, the, you know, that type of man today. That's, that's the gift of this program. It's, you know, losing the weight, <clears throat> I did that years ago, that, that's a terrific thing. And we come into this program, you know, I did for that reason. But today, you know, that's the least of the benefits of, the, of this program for me. Today it's the type, you know, the type of man that, that God, my creator, allows me to be. Anyways, with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much for your service, Anita. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Terry N. and then Kathy G. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. This is Terry N. calling from New Jersey. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I totally, totally could relate to this paragraph. Um, you know, my, my, my friends were slipping away. I was very isolated in the end, towards the end of my um, addiction. And, you know, I, I knew that I couldn't, that I didn't, couldn't eat like other people. I knew that. But, and I knew there were certain things that I had to do in order to make any kind of a diet mentality successful. Like I had to stay away from certain foods. I even knew that. Um, but I clung <laughs> to, to the notion that I would find a way to do it on my own. And I desperately wanted to stop, but I, but I, it says I, but I couldn't. And I recently heard, you know, someone share and say that I, I wouldn't, <laughs> you know, it wasn't a matter of couldn't, but wouldn't. And I was stuck there. And to me, it's, it's still, it's still very amazing that I, I don't understand, like for, for so long, I fought this. And today, by the grace of God, you know, I'm no longer fighting. And it's, I listen to this part of the um, the book very frequently. I have it on CD um, where it says we're not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. And, you know, all those years I fought and fought and fought. And when I finally surrendered, I, I'm living in, in God's grace today through through this program of action that I've been willing to to follow and things are going on in my in my life today that are scary and I have a peace and it's just such an amazing an amazing blessing and I'm just so grateful that I no longer have to fight and that I can live in recovery and share with all of you and I'm grateful to be here and thanks for letting me share thanks so much Tara thanks so much uh, Kathy Chi, good morning to you. 
Good morning, sweet Anita. Sending a big <laughs> hug today. It's Kathy G, a recovered compulsive overeater in Illinois. You and Maura Z. It's like a double blessing this morning. And I just wanted to share with people, I had to get on this morning because, uh, first of all, I heard the two of you. And it was just the line, you know, but then they got well, even after going to the extremes that were written about here. Um, For anyone who's new on the line, I was just, um, gosh, it was about a year ago um, that I uh, met you two at the convention. And it was just such a great gift that God gave me. Um, And being on the line and just hearing all of these people who were recovered and I so longed to just be free of that mental obsession and with the mental obsession, just really thinking that I could somehow control this, that even though all these years I'd been trying, you know, that something somehow I'd be able to do. Well, I couldn't do anything except work the steps, listen to you and, uh, you know, then carry on into a, co- a completely different life that I have today, where I have tools when my emotions get um, too intense for me to deal with. I mean, I feel like I have a new brain. The first thing I think about now when I get stressed out or um, <clears throat> when I feel irritable, restless, discontent is I need to call someone. And uh, there's a fellowship here that is so beautiful and um, it's really changed my life. And uh, when I went to the convention last year, I went really because I wanted to make sure that everybody on the line was for real. I got to be honest. I was just like, are these people seriously recovered? I had never heard this before. And I, I just, I wanted to believe it was possible, but I wasn't really sure and uh, getting to go to that vision uh, convention was just such a gift. And I just want to encourage the people who are on the line and knew that you can recover too. Just reach out and call some of the recovered people that are on the website uh, member list and work the steps as written in the big book. And uh, just come on in, come on in. Uh, uh, we'd love to have you. So I hope you have a great day. Thanks so much for leading us today, Anita, and I pass. Thanks so much, Kathy G. Oh, Janice PM, good morning to you. And so good morning to you, Anita J. And everyone else on the line, my name is Janice PM, and I am gratefully recovered, um, not cured, not cured. In the, in the spiritual realm, you know, of course, I can identify so much with this chapter as a compulsive overeater, as a husband in this in this particular these two paragraphs, and of course, I'm a mother of a son. But you know, yeah, I can identify with the, you know the third the third husband, you know the progression the progression. This is what I see, but you know, I could never identify with the fourth. Can you imagine? Um, until very late in my disease. Um, and, you know, when I see he is violent, well, I would say, yeah, my son, I mean, he wasn't violent, but he was insane. He was insane the way he thought. Well, Janice, you know, when you when you threw the phone at your husband, that was violent. When you took the tree down because you didn't get your way, that was a violence. 
violence. I didn't think it was violence at the time, of course, you know. And um, so, I mean, that came to me, you know. I was, you know, I would compare. I would compare myself right out of this fellowship because I didn't want to be a compulsive overeater. And I struggled. And I would, to to the end, until, until... I had to surrender, of course, and um, I thought that uh, it says here hope. You know, I seemed so hopeless. I really did seem, but that word "seem" I love is because you know that that doesn't necessarily mean it's so. So, but the more important thing, uh, you know, with without eating because I don't eat today compulsively, is my spiritual malady. It's my spiritual maturity. You know, as you know, some of you, you know, I lost my husband, um, you know, maybe four weeks ago. And, um, boy, you know, there's fears that come in. There's, you know, ideas right away. Oh, i got to sell the house because I can't do this. You know, the plumbing, you know. There's a lot of things that he did that I didn't have compassion for, too. And, uh, boy, do I have that today. And, and I have it, and I had it, you know, before he died, which was a, a miracle. It was the grace of God because, um, you know, he was just a humble man, and, of course, I wasn't too humble. And, um, you know, I, I'd never accepted any criticism because my emotions, my emotional immaturity was so high. Um, I would always expect special considerations, you know, and so sensitive and, um, you know, and today, you know, yeah, I do have some disappointments, but, you know, the grace of God, the grace of God is opening up my mind and instead of fearing, I'm trusting because I do have a love relationship with my higher power, but it's not easy, Um, you know, and I know when we say we're recovered, it's for one day. It's not cured, and I'm not cured. And I thank you so much, Anita J., uh, for all your help and everything. Pass. Thanks so much, Janice P.M. And Kelly S., you are now up. Thank you so much, Anita, for your service. This is Kelly S., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, so what I see here in these last four paragraphs, really, for me, is the progression of this disease. Um, and the truth is, I relate to all four of these people. And I cannot imagine, you know, this chapter to the wives, to our spouses. Um, I can't even imagine what it was like living with me over the, the decades. You know, I was married the first time for almost 20 years, and I've been with my spouse now for almost 20 years. And I've only been recovered for three years, so both of these people have lived with me through this insanity and watched me. And, um, yeah, so each one of these people, and even this fourth person, you know, I went into treatment. I'm... I was 125 pounds overweight, but I was also bulimic and became underweight and, you know, the whole the whole thing. So I went into treatment years ago and um, got out and binged, you know. <laughs> so, you know, if treatment centers fixed me, I would have been fixed a long time ago, guys. So I can't imagine what, you know, as a, as a spouse that would be like thinking, you know, okay, this time she's going to be fixed, you know. And, appear, you know, I... Uh, Violent appears definitely insane when drunk. The other thing I think about is, you know, when somebody's drunk, you can see they're drunk. When I'm in my disease, I mean, yes, sometimes we wear it, sometimes we don't. And, you know, they don't understand what's going on. And, you know, I was living in my bedevilments. And I was this violent. uh, I was a rageaholic, you know. I never physically hurt people, but I would yell and scream. You know, I punched walls and sometimes sometimes, uh, 
always justified it that, you know, I wasn't hitting people. I broke car doors by slamming them. You know, I did all these things and, um, you know, I thought it was genetic because my dad was the same way. So I just thought, well, that's genetic. You know, I didn't realize it was a spiritual malady. Right. And so I just progressively got worse. You know, one of the things I've heard in here, if you can't relate to this stuff, just stick around a little bit longer and practice your disease and just say, yeah, because I'm going to tell you guys, um, I just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And so, you know, I am so grateful today. You know, it says we're seemingly hopeless because I thought I was hopeless. And there is hope. There's hope for our families. There's hope for our spouses. And, you know, yet they got well. And I, I had given up on myself, you know. And then I heard you guys, you know, Vision for You is my Ebby. And then there was somebody in these rooms who also didn't give up on me. And I just want to put a plug for that person. Don't give up on us, you guys. You know, she would just shoot me a text. Don't give up. And I finally was willing to put the food down black and white, 100%. I work a very structured, disciplined program, and I picked up these tools, and I work this program like my hair's on fire, and I stay connected to God. I stay connected to you guys, and guess what? I am. I'm living. I'm no longer in the bedevilments, drunk or abstinent, and, you know, I'm learning to be a different person. Sometimes it's two steps forward. Sometimes it's you know, it, it takes, it's a process. I'll tell you what, you don't get well overnight, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it with you guys and I'm showing my spouse and I'm sure she's quite happy I'm in these rooms today. So with that, I just want to pass. Thank you guys. I'm glad to be doing it with you. Thanks. Thanks so much for telling our story, Kelly. Yes. All right, everybody. Who else would like to share? This is Lindy in Canada. Lindsay? Ross M. Margaret D. Lisa D. Hey, wait, wait, hold on, hold on a minute. I I got uh I've got Russ and Lisa, but there was who was before Lisa B? Margaret D, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was Margaret D. Was that Lindsay or Lindsay in Canada? No, that was, that was that was it's Lynn. Last initial D in Canada. That's it. Okay. Wendy. All right. Two more. Deborah B. in New Jersey. Deborah B. Uh, B is in Victoria. V. Okay. P-L. Okay. P-L. And what, this is it now. P-L. And what's the first name? Nancy L. Oh, Nancy L. Okay, Nancy L. All right, I think, let's see. I'm pretty sure we can get you all in. So let's start with um, Lynn D. in Canada, followed by Russ M., then Margaret, then Lisa B., and then Deborah V., and Nancy L. All right, good morning, Lynn. Good morning, and thank you for your service. And I thank God for this meeting um, and the people who contribute to it. Um, I am recovering um, and grateful. I, the line that sticks out for me is they got well because I was in program before and I thought I was doing the work and I thought I was abstinent, but it was like every day I was angry because I was you know, committing my food and I had to do this and had to do that, but I did it grudgingly. Um, and I know that now, I don't, I don't think I knew it at the time. 
Um, and I was in a pretty significant relapse and I would reach out um, to a sponsor I had before. And one day, you know, she said, because I would, I would contact her and then I'd fall out again. And she suggested that I check out um, this meeting. And I am so, so grateful for that because the, the hope that I heard and as someone said earlier, the word recovered, it was like I was shocked because I wanted to be in a place where I was feeling better about the way I was treating people and feeling better about my connection spiritually and all of that. And I never had that. And now, um, by the grace of God in this program, I have been gratefully abstinent and working the steps with a sponsor from a vision for you who just has almost had the same life as I have, which is a miracle. And people come into your life at the right time um, to help with that. And because I was all like a, like the progression from, you know, what I thought I was doing to what I was doing in the end and the way I was treating people and the way it affected their lives. I just, I didn't see it. And I'm just grateful for reading this part of the big book to get that message and just see um, even more clearly their side of things. And again, thank you. And I'll pass. Thank you so much, Lindy. Russ M., followed by Margaret D. Hi, Russ. Good morning, Nita. Good morning, my, my fellows here. Wow, this is massive, another massive part of the text. Oof. So I, I think of my wife. You know, she was, I know she was despairing, felt trapped, you know, uh, tried everything, you know, every psychologist, psychiatrist. And, you know, our, our diet plans, the pills, the, you know, everything I could get my hands on, I tried. You know, and it just didn't change the inside. It didn't, I might have been slim, or I might have felt a little, you know, a little better about life. But I had a rotten core. I had a rotten core. This disease had robbed, had robbed me, you know. And, uh, you know, for years, I, I allowed the disease to be a crutch so I could treat people like garbage. And it was my excuse. And um, until I hit that bottom, I didn't realize, you know, it was me. It wasn't actually a disease. It was my, my spirit, who I, who, I, who I am, who I was. And, you know, that last line, everybody's hammering it, yet they got well. I think of my situation right now ain't the greatest. It's the bleakest. I get on the line, I hear you guys, people that were in worse shape than I, I have been, that you know, shared their story with me, said, look, hold on, you're going to get to the other side of it. You're going to get to the other side of it. Just trust God. Do, you, do what you need to do. And, uh, yes, it's great. It's beautiful. Or I'm out of the food and, you know, making a spiritual comeback. But yet life is hard. And, you know, I have so much uncertainty like everyone else. And I freak out. I still have emotional issues. But I have this program. I don't want to say control it, but to manage it so I'm getting closer to God. And as close, closer I get to God, the less these things are going to they're going to tick me off. The less these things are going to occupy space that should be for God and others. 
So, yet they got well. There's hope, you know. I, I was having a bad day yesterday. I, I've been having a bad couple of weeks. Not just not great. And I cut, continually get on this line and work through this big book, and it gives me hope to get to the next day. There's solutions, trusting God, just being more spiritually developed. And closer I, the closer I am to that, the closer I'm going to be to God, and the more fruitful my life is going to be. And guess what? The more fruitful other lives are going to be because I'm going to be able to serve somebody and do something for someone else. So, yet they got well. Have a beautiful day, everybody. Love you. Hey, thanks so much, Russ. Uh, Margaret D., followed by Lisa B., Margaret D, press star one. May I be heard? Yes, yes. Woohoo! Good morning, Anita. Good morning, everybody. Um, this. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here. Um, my name is Margaret D, um, and I'm so very, very grateful to be a recovered compulsive eater. Um, this chapter has brought up so many things for me on just a daily, almost a sentence-by-sentence, word-by-word basis. And one of the first things um, that got triggered was um, when I heard a remark that, or a statement that, because this is what I did, I, I never thought I hurt anybody. I always thought that I was the victim. And I lived in a... in um, I just lived with violence my whole life for different reasons. Um, And I never could understand how it had an effect on me. And this isn't about violence. It's about, you know, compulsive eating. I sought solace or comfort in, um, in eating. And at one point, um, one of the household, punched a hole in the paneling and then punched a hole, tried to punch a hole in the windshield. Um, And another point punched a tree. Well, I was so used to violence that I guess I'd become, well, just used to it. And I want to make the analogy that this is sort of like what the disease has been like for for me. You just become so used to it that, hopelessness sets in and you you know it's well hopelessness just sets in and um a mentor told me one time that the very clear message when that violence conveys whether it's done to another human being or to an um, object is that i can do it to this thing and i can do it to you and so many times i just felt so helpless in the disease, like the disease was going, I can do this to your body, and I can do it to your mind and your spirit also. But it's not true. The disease really does not have the power that my mind said that it did. And it was only by giving up and just admitting complete and utter defeat. And, you know, finally... Somehow God wiggled his way in there, and I just want to say I'm so grateful today that um, I'm more in the eye of the hurricane than actually in the hurricane itself, and that's a God thing, and with that, I pass. Thank you. 
Thanks so much, Margaret D. Lisa B. And then Deborah V. Morning. Good morning. Thank you, Anita, for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I'm really enjoying these readings. I love these um, descriptions of three and four, and uh, the line that says, you can be quite hopeful of a situation like this. Well, what is the situation? It's a desperate situation. I had to be aware and in touch that this is a crisis. This is a crisis. I have to be out of ideas. And um, I keep thinking over and over, I love reading the forwards. I love, re I love reading the whole book, but the forward tells me that this is a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And the illness wants me to say, why bother? Why bother? You know, just keep on keeping on. You know you're not going to be able to get well. And that's why I need to be surrounded by recovered compulsive overeaters. I need to be with someone that is armed with the facts about themselves that can clearly help me see, you know, who and what I am through this book being outlined and then uh, that what the steps to recovery are. And then when I look at the description of four, the qualification of four, it says many of our husbands were just as far gone, yet they got well. People get well when we stay in this book. You know, in the forward to the second edition, it tells me that I can actually have permanent recovery. Now, there's a second part of that is that is to work and self-sacrifice, you know, with others. But I can have permanent recovery. I don't have to buy into that relapse is normal and slipping and sliding is normal. That's the other thing I'm so grateful for. The other thing is it tells me that when the spiritual malady is overcome, I straighten out mentally and physically. You know, I was at the point where I was seriously thinking of going on some sort of medication, to help stabilize me. I now know that that was being an untreated, unrecovered compulsive overeater and, in fact, untreated dry alcoholic. This, this illness is chronic, it's progressive, and it's fatal, but it can be a slow, slow journey to that progressive fatality. And the illness, in my mind, I kept feeling like I just need some pills to stabilize me. I need to go to a therapist and, or a psychiatrist. I'm recovered today, and my mind is sound and free, and I don't need mood or mind-altering substances. And that, that's just my experience. So what I thought was a mental illness was just being untreated for decades and decades, compulsive overeater. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lisa B. Uh, Deborah V. and then Nancy L. Hi, Deborah Vizzi. I'm Deborah V, compulsive overeater in New Jersey. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, you know, the reading was very powerful, and one of the things that really struck me in terms of my experience is the piece that talked about clinging to the notion that I could still eat like other people. That, for me, was a repeated theme in all of my relapses, that mental twist that somehow it would be different this time. And as a result of that repeated mental twist and obsession, I ended up like those husbands in and out of rehab. And let me call it what it is. I mean, rehab for me was just going to a psych unit and trying to uh, understand why my life was so unmanageable and insane and riddled by these bedevilments. And my emotional irregularity, my inability 
to stop eating and my behaviors towards myself and others was um, no less than insane. And I think that that was an understatement. And so there was such similarities in hearing um, not only the physical manifestation of what was happening to those husbands, but also the emotional and what those behaviors did to those around me um, as referenced in the chapter to the wives. So um, for me, ha making the admission that I was powerless over food and that my life had become unmanageable and understanding that the we in the first step was the way for me to get well, or at least the beginnings of me to get well. And um, that crushing of the old self and the dying off of that person um, is the piece that uh, for me gave me that hope. And it wasn't until I was utterly in despair and utterly at my wit's end and hit a very rough bottom uh, for me to see the light. And that came through and that light for me and that sunlight of the spirit comes through working these steps um, and working these steps with others. So I am very grateful today on this very bleak day here in New Jersey um, that I have the promise of, these pro of this program and hope for um, a better today and a better tomorrow. And with that, I pass. Thanks very much, Deb um, Deborah V. And Nancy L., it is your turn. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for your service. And it's Nancy L. Recovered in Arizona. Uh, he admits he cannot drink like other people, but does not see why he clings to the notion that he will yet find a way to do so. You know, I used to always say my, my middle name was, it's not fair. Nancy, it's not fair. Because that's what I was swimming in my head most of the time. It's not fair. It's not fair. Look at all my friends and the things they eat, and yet they're thin. So look at me. I'm not. It's just not fair. So I, you know, I was just really depressed growing up and um, had a weight problem since I was five years old at 55. And... Um, just desperate to find a way out. And I knew somehow, some way, there was going to be a way to uh, have my cake and eat it too, if you will. But I, I never found it, not until I came into these rooms. Um, the other sentence that uh, I, I see, uh, sometimes he drinks on the way home from the hospital. Well, I, I was never hospitalized. Um, I sure did uh, eat on the way home every time I went grocery shopping because I made sure I'd go grocery shopping alone so I could always get something out of the trunk and then drive home and eat. I ate on the way home from baby showers, wedding showers. I ate on the way home from work. Um, after all, you know, I just put in eight hours. I should have a reward, right? And that was my reward. But all that bottom line Many of our husbands were just as far gone, yet they got well. And I am not um, healed from this disease or set free from this disease, but I am abstinent and I'm not fighting it anymore. It's just, um, it's, it's a recovery that I cannot explain to people other than the fact it is definitely from my higher power. And as long as I stay 
spiritually fit. Um, I've got it for this day. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Nancy. How about one more? One more, one more share. Nancy P. Nancy. Uh, Nancy P. Okay. Um, Go ahead. Go ahead, Nancy. Hi. Thanks for letting me share, um, Anita. I wasn't going to because I'm listening to everybody else and um, just sort of humbled by, you know, the power of example and all the women who's, and men whose recovery I respect so much. And, you know, I think to myself, I was talking to a sponsor on the phone last night um, and, and other people that I've talked to. Basically, you know, my experience, My life experience was I was just, I sat there in my, not just in meetings, although certainly in meetings, but my whole life, even when I was happy, I was mad. And, um, you know, I sort of had like, it was like I was living in a, in a, in a, you know, in the middle of sort of this vibrating life. And I didn't notice that it was there until it was, until it stopped. And, um, you know, I remember the first time that I had, my husband is not an arguer or a fighter. He just doesn't care about almost anything if she just lets it all ride. And um, the first time he sort of looked at me and gave the tiniest little sigh of what can I do to make this woman happy. And, you know, I felt like such a victim and I felt like, you know, ugh, the time somebody, one, one time somebody that reported to me, um, actually said to me, I don't like the way that you approach people and, you know, I'm not going to do what you say. And, you know, I was enraged, you know. Stuff like that would happen to me all the time. I can't tell you how many, I, not that I lost so many jobs, but I certainly got fired more than once for being just so difficult. And I just couldn't understand. I just couldn't understand. I just couldn't understand. And then when my you know, acquaintance with the truth got a little bit more intimate. Now I cringe when I think about my past life. And, um, you know, I feel as though my spiritual growth is chugging along. It's not stopped. And as as deep as my last bottom that brought me into vision was, um, equally can I be, can my spiritual life expand? Because I had thought that I, was desperate before and that proved not to be the case and I have to believe that my spiritual growth and my um, relationship with the higher power can expand infinitely and um, and and that the best is yet to come because if all I got out of you know working these steps was abstinence it would have been enough or I used to think it would have been enough but now I know that um, it's so, it's, that's the beginning. That's like the, the abstinence is not the, the end. It's the beginning. And everything else is falling into place. And today I am engaged with my life and I've separated the things out of my consciousness that are giving me trouble and I deal with them on a daily basis with people in this program. And I can't 
say how how I pinch myself that time. I time. haven't eaten. Thank you. I haven't eaten in so long and that I'm I'm in recovery. So thank you all so much and I'll pass. Thanks very much, Nancy P. It was our last reader for this morning, for this first hour. I want to thank everyone who shared today and the team also. And the share ID for this meeting you've just been participating in is 11,899-11899. Now we will close with the reading from the big book on page 164, and I'll ask Susan H. to read that for us. I think it was supposed to be Sally P. Oh, excuse me, Sally P. You know, this is this is showing my age. Oh, honey, I oh, never hear mind. You. Never oh. mind. Go, kid. Go. Okay. <laughs> Sally P., very happy, recovered, compulsive overeater from Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road to happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you. I pass.